Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I'm glad that you're in church today. Uh, we culminate uh, every year around a vision offering. Uh, you saw some information on the seat near, uh, next to you. I'd love for you to take that out maybe look at that about uh, the, the current generosity initiative we're in right now called Plan to Stay. Plan to Stay. It's all about uh, moving from portable to permanence. Our church is five years old, and we have never uh, had a building that is our permanent building until now and we're we're on our way to moving into that permanent building and so we're in the season of, yeah give god glory for that we're in the season uh, of that and every year we take a vision offering we usually call our legacy offering the legacy season of our church at the end of every single year we've done it since we started the church and it's really an offering we give away we use it for missions and ministry and just what we do around the world this year we've transitioned that into our offering to our groundbreaking offering for plan to stay on December the 12th i'll get back to that in just a few moments. Hold on to that. Hold on to that commitment card that you've got there near you. Uh, here's what I know about this church. One of the things I love about this church is we have a lot of vision. There's always going to be more vision than there are resources in this church. By the way, there needs to be more vision than there are resources in your life. You, if if you're if in your life the, the all of your life is lived in the rearview mirror, you'll miss out on the biggest plans God has for you. It's why in your car the windshield, the front windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. You understand that, right? Because you're not going there. We're going this way. Are you with me, everybody? And God has called us to more. And there's there's always going to be an opportunity for more. You say, Pastor, aren't you ever? Content, yeah, I'm content right where we are, but content doesn't mean settled. You can be content in your marriage and still need some work in my marriage. I can be content in my job and still want to better myself and grow and expand. And You can be content in your finances and still need God to expand and grow. You can be content in relationships and still need God to work out some stuff in your life. Are you with me, everybody? And I want you to realize the potential that God has in you. I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, single adults. Where's all the single people? Where's your at? Where are all the single people? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Just look around. This is what you're working with. Everybody look. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I was talking to this. <laughs> I said, that's a married guy. I was talking to the. Uh, I was talking to a single adult the other day who said uh, something about uh, this uh, from one of our uh, relationship series. Every February, I'll do a relationship series. I'll do one again next year. And that sometimes you end up marrying potential instead of marrying patterns. Let me just interject this to all the single people in the room. Don't, don't look for potential. Don't date potential. Don't, well, he could be. Well, she, I think they're going to be good. I think one day he's going to get a job right now. He's just trying to, he's just on his, he's on his fourth gap year. You know what I mean? He's just, he's, he's been gap yearing since he was 22 and he's 37. And anyway, he's just in a gap season right now. And so, but I think he's going to, he's going to, when we get married, he's going to get it together. Look at me. No, he's not. Don't marry potential, marry pattern. Are you with me? Same thing's true in your life. There are some things, though, that, that I, want you to, I want you to look at potential. There, uh, you don't marry potential, but you always, always, always strive for God. I'm not settled with where we are. I want to know what next thing you have for me. I wanna, I'm never going to be there. I'm never going to be arrived. I don't even like using the word 
saved. Now I know you get saved. I'm not saying that. I know that when you when you receive Christ into your heart and you repent of your sins, He saves you, translates you. I, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying it's so past tense. Like, well, I'm saved. Now I guess I've arrived. No, no, no. I got more to know about God. I've got more to grow in my relationship with God. There's further that God wants me to go. Are you with me? There's more potential. There's more for God to, and there's more in our church, and and there's there's more movement. And we so every year uh, around this season, we we just move at the pace of your generosity. And we and we, this year we're uh, moving it around this initiative we call Plan to Stay. So let me let me get into that message for you. And if you missed one of these messages over the last six weeks, I'd encourage you to go back and catch it. Let me catch you up to where we are. In the story, Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet. He's a major prophet in the Old Testament, which just means he wrote a longer book. He actually wrote two books in uh, the Old Testament, Jeremiah and Lamentations. Jeremiah is in the northern kingdom. The, uh, the kingdom of Israel is divided at this time between the north and the south. And Jerusalem's in the northern kingdom. It's where Jeremiah is uh, currently at. And he's the only prophet at the time. Some of y'all would have hated to live in the Old Testament because you couldn't church hop. There was just like one preacher, and if you didn't like Jeremiah, you didn't go to church. You know what I mean? Like this is the only dude. So Jeremiah is the, the, the one dude in, in all of Israel, and he's, he's, the, he's the prophet in Israel right now. And Jeremiah is writing to, listen, catch up. Jeremiah is writing to the southern kingdom of Judah who's been taken into captivity into Babylon. And there's some false prophets in Babylon who are telling all of the captives there, everybody who's been taken captive there, there's some false prophets who are among those Hebrews there who are telling them, hey, don't worry about this. We're not going to be here very long. Just, just don't settle down. Don't buy anything. Don't do any. Matter of fact, we're just going to be here so short of a time period. Why don't you just take everything you can get from Babylon and then get out of there really quick? That's what these false prophets were saying in Babylon. Just take everything you can get. Let me pause here and tell you. There's always going to be people in your life who encourage you to be a taker and not a giver. There's always going to, and, let me, and let, me, let me go ahead and tell you this. It's never God's plan for a believer to live in the posture of what can I get instead of what can I give. Look, I'm going to dig further because y'all not amening. And when you start amening, I'll move on. In your marriage, it will get better if you approach your marriage with, what can I contribute here? I can pick my own dirty draws up off the floor. What can I do to serve you? What can I do to love you better? What can I, it's amazing. Some of you will have, you'll, it'll be a whole new wife when you get home this week. If you'll go home and go, what, honey, what can I do? First of all, you'll pick her up off the floor from where she faints. And you pick her up and she'll say, are you serious? You mean you want to help? Yes, I want to help. And then and she'll pass out again. And, then you, and you'll, live your, you'll live your life from a, what can I do to serve? Hey, what about your job tomorrow morning if you walked in and said, I'm not just here for a patient check I'm a believer and as a believer I'm here to add value to this place tell me what more I can do how can I take more give more T tell me where more responsibility can come into my life tell me what I can do I don't just want to come here and exploit the place I want to add value to the place are you still there say amen all right so these false prophets are telling the children of Israel just just don't settle in. Don't buy anything. Don't do anything. Just exploit everything. Just, you, you don't even have to like where you live. You don't even have to like Babylon. You're not going to be there for two years. And Jeremiah is in Jerusalem and he writes a letter. And he says, hey, this, that's not true. Matter of fact, it's not true on an epic scale. They were saying you're only going to be in Babylon two years. Jeremiah writes and says you're going to be there 70 years. 70 years. And so since you're going to be there 70 years, I want you to settle in. 
And I want you to start adding value to the place you're in. I don't want you to approach your life as a taker. I want you to approach your life as a giver. By the way, if you've ever met takers in your life, I I can almost always identify, not y'all, but at the other service, I can almost identify Christians who live from a posture of always taking. Listen, because they always have a need. It's a crazy thing about God's economy. When I'm always taking, I always have need. But in, in the kingdom, when you're a giver, you always have more than you need. It's, it's, it's upside down in God's kingdom. When all I do is think, what can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this church? What can I get out of this marriage? What can I get out of this job? What can I get out of this new, new opportunity? What can I get out of this business? If you live your life that way, it's a, I'm telling you, it's 100% of the time I've found. Takers always have an empty, there's always more need. It's an empty, you just never get to it. It's a bottomless pit you never get to. But givers, people who decide, how can I add value to you? How can I add value to this marriage? How can I add value to this relationship? It's amazing what will happen. God will give you more than you need so that you always have enough to keep giving. Proverbs, I'm going to move on. Proverbs says it like this, that God gives seed to the sower. Interesting how God does that. God, why would you give seed to the sower? I'll tell you why. Because people who decide, uh, here's what I got in my pocket. Here's the seed I've got in my pocket. I'm going to sow it into the ground. God says, I can trust you with what I've given you to do something with it. So I'll keep filling it up. You'll always have seed. But people who decide, I'm not sowing this. This is all I've got. God says, I've got no room to pour any more blessing into your seed bucket. Are you with me, everybody? If you need more joy, you need to learn how to be a joy-filled person. And when you walk in on Monday morning, instead of that sourpuss look you got on your face looking at me like, right now instead of looking like that you walk in with joy and smiling and throwing joy everywhere you get and it'll it'll change your life you'll get more joy on the inside of you are you there if you need peace don't be a troublemaker blessed are the peacemakers why because God gives you seed to the sower are you there it's saying true in your finances it's true in every area of your life and so Jeremiah walks in he says hey we're not just going to be takers in Babylon we're going to be givers Jeremiah 29 if you have your Bibles flip over there if not you can look on the screen Jeremiah 29 and 4 he writes this letter to all the elders all of the tribesmen all of the leaders of the tribes of Israel who are in Babylon and he says this is what the Lord of heaven's armies The God of Israel says to all the captives that he's exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Verse 5, underline this. This is the part you need to write uh, on your bathroom mirror. Build homes and plan to stay. Build homes and plan to stay. Like put down roots at some point in your life. Like stop being a transient. If you're on your fourth job after college, maybe it's not them. If relationships, if you look back in your wake, I'm, 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 um, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I'm trying to help you. If you look back in your wake and it's always a wake of destruction, at some point, if it's always destruction behind you, you may be the tornado. Are you with me, everybody? <laughs> I say it this way. If it's always a circus, you're probably the clown, all right? Just decide. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I got to stop clowning around and get... Just, I'm, I'm going to look around me and decide I'm putting down roots in this relationship. I'm not moving on to the next one. I'm going to go to counseling till I'm the husband that she needs me to be so I can stay in this one. 
I'm not just going to let my kids go by the wayside. I'm just because they're teenagers, I'm not just going to let them run. No, I'm going to put down roots and say, we're going to work for godly, God-honoring, purpose-driven children. I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to put down roots here and plan to stay. He said, plant gardens, eat the food they produce, marry and have children. By the way, this is my favorite part. After you marry and have children, the Bible says, then find spouses for them. So the Bible gives you a clearance to have arranged marriages. I have two kids. I plan on arranging their marriage. You're welcome for that. So find, find spouses for them. That's what it didn't say. You can go find your own on match.com. It says, I'm supposed to find it for you. So that they, It's because I know some of y'all's kids. I'm trying to keep them from them. <laughs> so, find spouses for them that you have many grandchildren. Multiply. Don't dwindle away. Catch this. He's saying, I don't want you to shrink back. I want you to grow. Now listen to me. We're in, a, we're in a culture right now that would tell you this is not the time. Shrink back. Things are getting bad. Things are getting terrible out there. Who knows what's going to happen out there. And, they, and if, if, you'll, if you'll listen long enough, there's probably preachers who will tell you, oh, this is getting bad, guys. And then at the end of the message, they always have a book to sell. Anyway, this is getting really bad. This is getting terrible, guys. Everybody just just hunker down. Let's just be just us four and no more and just protect what we got. Jeremiah says, no, 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 no. No, when you get to Babylon, no, 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 no. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to eat food. I want you to have kids. I want you to have grandkids. I want you to multiply. I don't want you to dwindle away. And then I want you to work. Everybody shout work. I want you to work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you. And pray to the Lord for it. Because listen, here's the craziest thing God would say. Because as the welfare of the city that I sent you goes, that's how your welfare goes. Now what if, follow me, what if your peace is tied to the peace that you bring into the office on Sunday morning? What if your joy is tied? He's, said, listen to what he said. He said, your welfare, pray to the Lord for its welfare will determine your welfare. Wherever it is I put you, if you'll pray for that and work for the peace of that thing, if you'll decide to plant roots there and go all in there and say all the chips are on the table there, if you'll do that, I'll tie their success to your success and everything that works there will work in you. And if you'll bring peace and you'll bring joy and you'll bring generosity, I'm if you'll bring it into your home, it'll work for you. If you bring it into your marriage, it'll work for you. If you, bring you ever heard this sentence that goes like this when mama's not happy? Nobody's happy. Why? I'm working for the peace of that woman right there because when she's happy, daddy is happy all day long. I am working for the peace of the ground that I'm in. Are you with me, everybody? Next week, I'm going to talk about y'all's feelings and I'm going to be calm and I may sit in a chair and I, I may wear a cardigan, you know, just so you. <laughs> One of the things I love that we get to do here is take you on a spiritual journey. Our church is built on spiritual journey. Four simple statements. I don't think they're our vision. I think they're God's vision for every person in the world. I don't think we came up with this. I think, I think you can find it all through the Bible. Matter of fact, I do. Every time I read the Bible, I find these four things that I think God designed you for. I think every person here is designed to walk in these four areas. We just made them the vision of our entire church that, that if I'm going to work for the, for the peace, if I'm going to work for the prosperity of where I am, well, what, what's, what's it mean to work that way? Well, I think it's four things. Write these down in your notes. That you know God. That you know God. Not that you know about God. I've met a bunch of people who know about God. 
They just don't know God. I've met a bunch of people who read their Bibles. Matter of fact, Jesus comes across Pharisees one time and he says, You read the scriptures, for in them you think you found eternal life. But these are they which testify of me. He said, in other words, I don't just want you to have a Bible study. I want you to have a relationship with the God of the Bible. I don't just want you to have a bunch of head knowledge. I want you to have some heart knowledge that will change everything in your life. I want you to have an experience with the living God. Are you with me, everybody? I want you to know God. And when you do that, when you illuminate every part of the darkness in your life and you know God and God knows you and you're in vibrant relationship, then you realize you've got issues. Look at your neighbor right in the eyes and say, you have issues. You didn't do it. Some of you, that's your issue. You won't obey orders. Look at somebody in the eye and say, you have issues. Some of you are sitting next to your issues. <laughs> Some of you wish you could look them in the eye and say, you are my issue. You, you, are, you are the issues I've got. Stick around. I'm going to help you this, <laughs> this next series. I've got issues. And, when, and when, I, when I come into relationship with Jesus, when I have a life-giving, spirit-empowered, vibrant, I know God relationship with Jesus, it illuminates the issues, and then I realize I can be saved and still bound to all that stuff. You can be on your way to heaven and still living in hell. So you need freedom. We, we call it finding freedom. Uh, another big spiritual word that a lot of spiritual people like to use is deliverance. But when I say deliverance, I think about banjo playing in the river, and we're not going to do that. So I, freedom's a bad, for freedom's a bad, <laughs> or head spinning around and somebody puking, you know, and that's just not. So, but freedom, freedom makes sense. I need freedom from my issues. I need freedom from all the stuff I, I carried over in, in, in my life. And then when you, when you get in relationship with Jesus and you find freedom from your past, then you realize, man, God's got a future for me. We call it discovering purpose. It's when I settle my yesterdays, I can now open my eyes or open to the horizon of my tomorrows. Two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. You were put on this planet to do something that ultimately, I think this is the ultimate fulfillment of Christianity. I think God saves you for two reasons. Number one, so you'll spend eternity in heaven with Him. The second one is because you have something to do while you're on this earth. And if you'll, discuss, if you'll let us, we'll help you discover the purpose of God in your life so that you can connect with other people like you, like yesterday, dozens of people in red shirts, making a difference. That you're not just here to suck up space and air, everybody. You're not just here for a ranch and a white picket fence and two cars and three dogs. You're not just here to make money and make kids. You're here to make a difference. And we live in this world that says it's all backwards. As a matter of fact, I think it gets worse the longer that I live. I think we're in a culture right now that says, no, no, no. It's not about God. It's not about others. It's not about purpose. not about none of that. No, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. I, I, I want to be famous. If, if I were to flip it, if the devil had another side of that, it would be know me. And, and, and I want to find fame for me. I want to be famous. I want to be an influencer. Come on. I want to wear a Stetson hat, you know, and be an influencer on Instagram and I've never rode a horse, but, you know, those people wear Stetson hats. So I, want, I, want, I just want to make it all about me. I want to discover the platform I have. I, I'm just in this to make a dollar. I'm just here to just get by. I'm just here to barely make it. And that's what Jeremiah prophesies into people who are all about me and taking and, 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 and exploiting and what can I get. And he says, no, 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 not the people of God. We're going to be people who give. We're going to be people who wake up every morning purpose-driven. 
and say, God, what am I supposed to do today to make a difference in the world? God, what's the purpose of my life? God, I'm going to give you a little teaser about next week. You ready for this? You know the best way you can walk out of depression is by helping somebody else walk out. God hardwired you that your needs get met when you help somebody else meet their need. I'm just telling you how God hardwired you. I, that God, you didn't just, and, and pe- the most miserable people in all the world are people who hoard it all for themselves. Just takers. Just, I'm going to take from. I'm going to be a consumer. I'm just going to come to church and get. I'm just going to come here and get. I'm just going to walk into this relationship and see what I can get. I'm going to walk into this job and see what I can get. I just got this degree because I think it could open this door and see what I can get. I just took the, I'm just in this marriage to see what I can get out of it. No, no, no. What if every area of your life God designed you to go, how can I make a difference here? How can I be a giver here? How can I plan to stay here? How can I plant gardens here? How can I have my children grow up here? Are you with me, everybody? And we're in this season of how do I make a difference with my life together? And I think the best story in all the Bible to talk about a life, a journey towards making a difference, is Abram. Abram in the Bible, before he becomes Abraham, is raised in Babylon. Most theologians believe that he's raised somewhere near where Jeremiah is prophesying into a couple hundred years later. Crazy, really, how, how tight these stories could be together. And Abram's daddy, Terah, hears from God. Abram hears from God. Terah hears from God. And God calls them out of where they are. By the way, let me pause here and tell you, uh, God uh, loves you right where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you right where you are. Right? So, so God loves you right in the middle of your mess, but He loves you too much to just leave you in this marriage that's all dysfunctional. He wants to give you healing and freedom inside of that marriage so you don't have to stay into that. He'll take you just like you are as an addict, but God loves you too much to leave you addicted. There's no such thing as once an addict, always an addict. No, no, no. Once born again, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and everything becomes brand new. Okay. So Tara, i got to preach. Y'all not letting me by clapping. Terah is in this. <laughs> Terah is in Babylon. He's very wealthy, and he has three boys. I want you to pick up in the story Genesis eleven. This is account of Terah's family. You'll see it right there. Genesis eleven twenty seven on the screen. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah is the father of three boys: Abram, Nahor, and Haran. By the way, if you're having a baby, if you're pregnant today, I think Nahor is a great name for a little boy. Nahor. <laughs> Come here, Nahor. Anyway, Abram, next, come back next week. I'm going to be calm. Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran, now catch all this because you've got to catch this whole family. Haran's the father of Lot. That's important because later on in the story, Lot and Abram are together. It's uncle and nephew. But Haran, one of the boys, three boys, one of the boys, Haran, dies in Ur of the Chaldeans. Where he was born. Like he dies in Babylon. They haven't left yet. And Haran dies there. While his father Terah is still living. Let me pause here and tell you. Look at my eyes. If you're ever going to follow God. There's probably going to have to be a death. At some point in your life. Let me say it better this way. When you're, when you're, facing, when you're facing purpose and potential and vision for God in your life. It is almost always certain that there are going to have to be some things behind you. That you have to bury. I got to bury that way of thinking. I got to bury that attitude. I gotta, that may be relationships I have to bury. There's just some stuff that can't go from here to there. Are you with me everybody? So Tara buries Haran. In Babylon. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor, they're both married. Abram's wife's name's Sarai. Nahor's wife's name's Milcah. 
Sarai was unable to come pregnant. She doesn't have any kids. One day, after he's buried his son, Terah took his other son, Abram, daughter-in-law Sarai, grandson Lot, who's Haran's child, and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed, catch this whole language because this is important for you. He was headed to the land of Canaan. There's a lot of people I've met in church life who are headed somewhere. I'm headed towards healing and wholeness. I'm headed towards a healthy marriage. I'm headed towards peace in my life. I'm headed out of depression and into joy once again. I'm headed out of anxiety and worry and fear and into peace in my life. I'm I'm headed into the career God's opened up for me. He was headed into Canaan. Tara said, I know i got to leave that and I'm headed into that. But he stopped in Haran and settled there. Now, there's a lot missing in the story. We don't have a clue how far Haran was. We don't know why it was he stopped there. I don't even know if the town was named Haran when he got there or if he named it after his dead son he buried in Babylon. Here's all I know. It's interesting at least enough to note that he settles in the place of his deepest hurt. He settled in the place named for the son that he had buried in Babylon. And so many people I've met in church life, so many spiritual godly people are on their way to healing and freedom and deliverance and finally moving forward and spiritual progress and purpose and destiny in their life and doing what God's called you to do and living an abundant life in Jesus. But somewhere along the way you just decide this is it. This is as far as I can go. And you settle in that place. And Terah lived there 205 years and he died while still in Haran. Headed to Canaan, dies in Haran. Headed to promise, dies. Look at my eyes, look at me. I'm preaching to dreamers today who for whatever reason, life's happened to you. Things have broken you. Life has gone bad for you. Relationships have, have gone upside down from you. The business was pulled out from underneath you. It, didn't, it wasn't supposed to be this way. You buried a loved one. You buried a child, God forbid. You, a relationship broke open. A marriage fell apart. You got the diagnosis. And for whatever reason, you're halfway between where God called me. I know I'm not supposed to be here. And I know I'm headed over there. But I've just lived the last 10 years of my life, 7 years of our marriage 24 years of my life, stuck in Haran and I'm asking dreamers today to move on let's decide together as a church family that we're not going to stay where we've always been that I'm not going to stay right here that I'm not going to run from something I don't know, it seems like Tara was more interested in running away from Babylon than he was pursuing something it seems like, it seems like I've met a lot of people who are more interested in running away from their pain and they get stuck somewhere in between than they are actually pursuing the Canaan land that God has for you write this in your notes just this way if you give in to your past you will ultimately die to your future And Terah's past catches up to him in Haran. And he dies there. And if you give in to your past, you'll ultimately die to your future. So what do we do? I'm glad you asked. I got three points and I got seven minutes. Can you listen fast? I'm not convinced. Can you listen fast? (laughs) Write this down. The first thing you got to do if you're going to walk into promise, walk into all God has for you, is you got to manage your memories. You got to manage your memories. Memories are interesting things. I was talking to a psychotherapist at one point about how people, when I meet with people, I'm not a counselor, but 
But when I meet with people in our congregation, how can I talk about their past and what, what could help? And she gave me this amazing illustration. She said, it's like a CD changer in your mind. Do you remember CD changers? Anybody 30s, 40s, you remember this? You remember when you had an eight-disc CD changer in your car? And, it, you know, you, you go around that Mar- Mariah Carey Christmas album. Yeah? Oh, yeah. She said, she said, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 a disc changer in your mind. And every time you go to pull that memory out, catch this. Every time you go to pull that memory out, you put fingerprints on that CD. And the fingerprints are from the season I'm currently in. And so when I put that memory back in my mind, now it has the fingerprints of this current season. I'm helping somebody today. Look at me. So for some of us, our memories, it's not, it wasn't what it was, but you got memories that you've put fingerprints of this hurt, now this hurt, now this hurt, now this hurt. And so every time when you talk, I'm, I'm preaching to somebody in this service, in this moment, who you've been talking about church, and every time you pull out a memory from church, it's got fingerprints of hurt on it. Look into my mind. Do not let your experiences about there determine what's going to happen here. Don't let all of that past hurt determine the experience you have in this church family. Don't let that hurt of that relationship, and every time you brought that out, the fingerprints of hurt go back on top of that don't let it happen you got to learn how to manage your memories a couple years ago Brandon and I were living in South Mississippi and we were really close to the Louisiana border and I like food if I hadn't mentioned and the best place to live if you like food is the deep south I'm from the deep south and the best place in the deep south if you like food is Louisiana it's the best place in all the world I'm telling you it's the best place I don't know what I've eaten alligator I've eaten possum I've eaten this true story I've eaten I've eaten rabbit I mean I just some of the best stuff I just any roadkill you can think of we probably had it in a gumbo somewhere but I was in we were in we were in Louisiana around around New Orleans on the north shore of the Lake Pontchartrain is a little town called Covington it's beautiful Covington Louisiana you need to go there if you're ever in, in the area this is a great little town square and Brandy and I were on a date day I was putting down the moves because I got game like that we didn't have kids. <laughs> so we were on this date day, and there was this little house, just true stories, little house, and it was a Thai food restaurant. And we were like, that looks cool. I bet that's amazing. Only amazing people put restaurants in houses, you know? Like, that's probably the best Thai food ever. And I'd never had Thai food, Ben, but I thought to myself, I like Chinese food. It's kind of the same. Uh, yeah, because you know. So we go to this Thai food place, and I eat well. Okay, everybody, I eat well. I'm not sure what I ate, but I ate well in this Thai food place. And we go home that night, and I go to bed, and we think it's all well. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, a demonic force from Thailand. <laughs> a principality of Thailand attacked my body. And I wrestled that devil for 12 solid hours are you with me, everybody? <laughs> to this very day, I have not eaten Thai food again. Never walked in a Thai food restaurant. Now listen, are all Thai restaurants that way? No. Are all, is it all? No. I just got something bad there. I just got food poisoning there. But if you're not careful, you'll judge every relationship by the one that hurt you. If you're not careful, you'll end up hurt people hurt people. You'll end up bleeding on people who didn't cut you. You'll end up not trusting people who you deserve, who deserve trust. You'll end up not going all in at a church because that church let you down. 
You'll end up going from this relationship to that one, to that one, to that one because that wife walked out on you. I'm telling you, you got to manage your memories. you got to say, okay, God, I recognize. I, I, I assume. I'm thankful for what you've done, but I'm not settled or satisfied with all that you've done. I'm thankful for our church. Over 500 members have become a part of our church in the last five years. 250 people have joined the, uh, the team through Growth Track. 150 people are currently in a small group in our church. We baptized over 300 brand new believers. Hundreds of people have taken a fresh start with God book and made a fresh start with God. We've given away over $100,000 in five years to local and international and national missions but look at me we're not done yet I'm not going to let the memory of what used to be determine what God wants to do in my life (laughs) write it down like this we got to hurry write it down like this don't assume that all that God has done is all that God wants to do don't assume that all that God has done is all that God wants to do Paul wrote it in Philippians 3 He said, you want to know what my whole ministry is all about? I focus on this one thing, Philippians 3 and 13. I focus on this one thing. I get up every single day as an apostle of Jesus Christ, focusing on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. We write it everywhere. You hear me say it all the time. It'll be on the walls of our new church building. The best is yet to come. Why do you always say that, Pastor? Why do you always say the best is yet to come? Because I'm going to live this scripture every day God gives me on this earth. Then I'm not going to keep talking about how it used to be and how good it was and how great it was. And I'm just going to keep saying my best days are ahead of us. Look at me. I'm going to go ahead and bust this right between the eyes. You ready for this? Any preacher telling you America's going down and this is all terrible and this is all awful and we've lost all hope. We haven't lost all hope. Jesus is on the throne. This is our best hour, everybody. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We're going to have revival like we've never had revival. Our churches are going to explode in this season. It may get darker, but we get to shine bright light as the darker the night gets. The best is yet to come. I'm the only one that believes this. Come play so they'll at least get excited about somebody playing. Number two, you've got to manage your memories. I'm only on number two. I have seven. I'm lying. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> there was that nervous laughter right there like, ah, 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 ah. you got to refuse to settle. You got to refuse to settle. Dreamers don't settle. They pioneer. Dreamers don't settle. Tara settled in Haran. Guys, I'm not going to play the video in the media, just FYI. Tara settled there and Abram settled with him. Isn't that crazy, Aaron? Abraham settled with his daddy. You know why? Because if you hang out with settlers, you'll settle. If you hang out with people who say, this is a good enough spiritual, like where we are right now is fine. You'll stay there. You hang out with people who hate their, 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 their marriage, guess what? It'll start happening. You'll, you'll, you'll find problems in your marriage. You hang out with broke people, You're going to go broke eventually. That's why I hang out with Patrick. Anyway, I'm kidding. Hey, you hang out with depressed people. I'm just telling you. You'll get get depressed eventually. You hang out with joyless. You hang out with negative people. Well, I I don't like that. Guess what? You'll start finding fault with everything else. Settlers just, not dreamers. It's amazing to me that all the settlers talk about the dreamers. 
Dreamers never talk about settlers. They just get up and keep dreaming. I can always identify Jeremy settlers because they always have something negative to say about all the dreamers. When people come to our church and the first thing out of their mouth is, well, my old pastor, well, let me tell you how bad that was. Oh, that church over there. My first thought is, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because it won't be long for you at the next church telling them how bad we are. Why? Because settlers always talk about dreamers. Dreamers don't have time to worry about settlers. They just get up every morning saying, God, what are we going to do today? God, how are we going to make a difference today? God, how's my marriage going to make it today? God, how am I going to get joy back today? God, how are we going to pioneer again? Come on, church family. How are we going to get up together again and decide there's more? This isn't good enough. No, no, no. There's more. There's more. As long as there's breath in my body, there's more. A couple of years ago, 2018, I showed you some pictures. I found them on the Internet. You can find anything on the Internet. I didn't know where it was. I still don't know where this building is, honestly. (laughs) I'm a little embarrassed to tell you that. I don't know what church this belongs to, but 2018, our church was two years old. We were dreaming about where we go next in a permanent place. We were meeting in a movie theater. We had met in an elementary school. Sounds like Groundhog Day (laughs) all over again. Since that movie theater, we've been in a hotel conference center back in an elementary school. But I asked the team to go find those pictures from three years ago. Because we signed a lease on a permanent building. And we're moving forward. And I'm inviting you into this dream. I'm inviting you into this plan to stay. And, and, and the deciding that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray. We're going to give. We're going we're gonna to do everything we can. And I don't, I don't know where it is, but I kind of know what it looks like now. We're working with an engineer and an architect right now. So actually, we were pretty close. But the lobby looks something like this. It's buzzing with people. There's, those people don't just come in late and leave early. No, no, no. Those people are finding family. The Bible says it like this, Kent. He said he puts the lonely in families. It's people who moved here from California and people who transferred their job from Houston to San Antonio. He puts people who were born and raised in the hill country. He puts new families and families with grandkids and families with no kids and single adults. And, and, and he puts them in families. It's going to look something like that. It's not going to have that ceiling. Actually, our ceiling's a lot taller than that. I'm excited about that part. But it's going to be something like that. You're going to pass the most joy-filled dream teamers you've ever met. One of the hallmarks of our church, Brandon, is the joy that I sense. I love it. I, I just, I want this to be such joy-filled. I want you to come in here mad about how happy everybody else is. <laughs> because the world's hell. This ought to be heaven. They're going to be serving in their purpose, opening up doors, setting out coffee. These people are waiting for the next service because they get there early for 1030. It's really neat. They don't even show up late. They're just waiting out in the lobby because I'm preaching too long in first service. And then, and then, and then you take your kids to kids' check-in. This is about, the, I, I found this picture three years ago, three and a half years ago. This is about what it looks like, honestly. We got kids' classrooms in, in that top left corner. We're actually building a theater just like that for elementary kids and middle school kids and high school kids. You know why? 
We're not, we're not going to babysit them. I'm just being honest with you. In that room, we're going to tell them, you've got a purpose from God. God has a plan for your life. You're valuable to God. You've got a calling on your life. You were created to be a leader and not a follower. We're not just going to babysit babies in that room. No, no, no. We're going to rock them to, to, to worship music and tell them you were created to worship. God designed you for something bigger than this. God designed you to be a leader and not a follower and an influencer, not easily influenced. I'm just, I'm telling you, four years ago, three and a half years ago, we, we saw what we're currently building. After you check your kids into kids ministry, you walk in an auditorium. This is honest. This is scary. This is it's kind of weird because I, Aubrey, how long ago? I mean, it's three and a half, four years ago, and the build, the room looks something similar to this. The, 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 there'll be an amazing stage full of worship leaders, not just talented people, but anointed people. I don't want a church full of talented people. I want a church full of anointed people where you feel the presence of God. Where it's When you walk in, you go, what was that? I mean, you don't have to fall out. That's weird. But I'm just saying, like, what was that? Well, you feel it right now. What is that? The screen's actually going to be bigger than that on the back. That's my favorite part. It's floor to ceiling. When you're little, you kind of get, you, you like stuff like that. Anyway. But I want you to look at these chairs. Look. Let me move out of the way. Look. That's where your husband, who's far from God, sits. Over there is where your teenager, who walked away at 18, who gave church one more chance at an at-the-movie series. That's where they'll sit. Over here at the altar. This is where when you get that diagnosis and you're scared, you'll walk your wife up the front and she'll get a miracle right there. People are healed in that room. Marriages are restored. People are saved here. Addicts are delivered Families are pastored here. Prayers are offered here. People discover their purse here, their purpose. But listen, this is not the end. The best part about this is that when you find your purpose here, when God transforms your life, then you leave this room and you go make a difference. Now, church family, I'm asking everybody here to make a difference with us. To ask God, what part do I play? How can I make a difference in this church? How could I do what God's called me to do to build God a home and to make a difference? And when you do that, when you give your whole life to it, listen, I just know God's plan. This is the last thing, and then we'll pray. I know I'm a little late. Genesis 12 and 1. Then the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. Just keep walking. Here's the last thing. Write this down. You got to keep making bold decisions in the right direction. You got to keep one foot in front of the other. You got to keep walking towards God. You got to keep walking towards purpose. You got to keep walking towards. Here's why our church is, is in this campaign right now because we're just we're making bold decisions in the right direction. We're just going to keep going in the right direction. We're just going to keep walking together. And I'm asking you to do it. And if you'll do it, God will hold up His end of the deal. Genesis 12 and 2. And I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make you famous and you 
be a blessing to others. And you, listen, and you'll make a difference. That's the kind of church you're in today. Bow your heads for prayer. Jesus, I, um, I give my heart the last six weeks towards this initiative. But honestly, it's more than about finances. It's more than about money. It's more than about raising money. It's more than about a permanent home. It's really more than all of that. It's actually about this idea that there's more, that God has something for me to do while I'm here, that I'm supposed to make a difference with my life. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to talk to people in the room today who have felt like I'm purposeless. I don't really know what I'm doing here. Maybe they settled in a place like Haran. Just I don't know. I don't really know how to get out of here. I know God called me to more, but here I am. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak to people in this room about what part they're going to play. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not asking you for anything. That commitment card you have there, I'm not asking you for anything. I I promise you, God knows my heart. I am not asking you for anything. But I am asking God. And I want you to talk to God. And whatever it is God tells you to do about moving forward, do that. If God tells you to be generous, be generous. If God tells you to get on the team, take a next step, do that. If God tells you to go to counseling, get some help for your marriage, do that. If God tells you to get in a small group, if God tells you to join a team, if God, just whatever God tells you to do, do that. As it relates to this plan to stay initiative, whatever God puts on your heart as a family, Brandon and I are praying, God, what are we going to do on December the 12th? How are we going to give in this vision offering, this groundbreaking offering? How are we going to give above and beyond that six months worth of commitment? God, what are we going to do? But I'm praying bigger prayers than just money. I'm praying beyond your settling that you walk into your promise. Now, if you need that kind of prayer, this is my last prayer for you today. If that's you, nobody's looking around but me, I promise. And you want to be included in this final prayer, would you just raise your hand and say, I think I've settled, and I think I'm ready for more. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I think we've settled. I think we've settled in our marriage, and I think we just thought, man, I guess this is as good as it's going to get, but it's not. I think I settled in my, in, my, in my mind just thinking, well, I guess this is as good as, I guess I won't have real joy. No, 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 you can. I see you. God bless you. Father, I pray for people with hands raised, those that did not, that this would be a season of abundance, of more than they could have possibly dreamed possible. I pray that they walk out of hurt in their marriage. I don't know why I feel compelled to pray for marriages today, but if it's for you, slide your hand over to your spouse. Oh, I feel it right. I could almost put my hand on your shoulder. There's still more for us. I'm going to ask you what I asked. Two years ago, I said this exact same statement. I'm going to make it again today. Don't get divorced this year. Don't do it. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. There's more. Don't give up. Don't walk out today. There's more. God can heal. God can do more in a moment than you could possibly do in a lifetime. 
God, where do you want to take us in purpose? If you need purpose today, you feel lost. And what am I supposed to do? And I don't know how we're going to make it out of this. Maybe you're in a financial struggle. Maybe you're in a struggle with your children. I feel compelled to pray for families. If your child is struggling, if your child's lost or your grandchild's far from God, take your spouse by the hand. Don't give up. There's still purpose for them. There's still blessing for them. They're still calling on their life. They're the anointed of God. they got a purpose on them. They've got destiny inside of them. God can do it. So Holy Spirit, we're open. Come on, open your hands this way. Holy Spirit, we're open to more. I'm asking you to walk with us, speak with us. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to take a next step, and I'm following you. I'm not settling where I am. Where I am, I'm not. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking out. No, no, no. I'm planning to stay. Oh no, I plan to stay. I plan to stay rooted. I plan to stay in God's word. I plan to stay in prayer. I plan to stay in a place of faith. I plan to stay in a posture of openness and willingness to receive from God. We plan to stay as a church. God, I just know you're going to bless so we can be a blessing. Now, if you're in the room today, I can't, I can't, I know we're late, but I can't stop until I give you a chance to give your heart to Jesus if you've never done that. It's a simple prayer, but it's not easy. Simple is not always easy. Simple prayer that goes like this. Everybody pray it with you. If it's for you, just pray it out loud with all of your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you that you paid for my past and you purchased my future. I repent of all my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead to give me eternal life in heaven and abundant life on the earth. I receive it today in Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.